Hi, this is Greg Kilstrom. Welcome to the Agile World Podcast, where we discuss customer experience, employee experience, and transformation in an agile age. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show, you can go to my website at theagile.world and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, The Center of Experience, a blueprint for creating an experience-led organization, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile World Podcast. I'm excited to introduce the final episode of a special three-part series about the impacts of the pandemic on organizations' security posture, brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. Today, we're going to discuss how organizations should approach their security strategy and ways they can improve their security posture. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome risk and security practice architect, Gerard Lendor of Tech Systems. First, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about your background and what you do at Tech Systems? Well, Greg, thanks for having me. Um, I am a security practice architect at Tech Systems Risk and Security uh, Practice. Um, I've been with tech for about seven years. And prior to tech, um, I've worked in many uh, opportunities where, um, you know, that involved a lot of um, security uh, activities. A lot of those activities were deriving from um, security penetration testing. So my role here at, at Tech Systems is pretty much encompassing everything that I had an opportunity to do um, and to package it and also deliver it to a lot of clients during a lot of engagements that we have been um, also delivering as well. Part of that, of course, and primarily a lot of those efforts would be uh, red teaming and performing different types of security penetration testing activities, um, developing different types of intellectual property of custom malware and custom ransomware, and using those as accelerators for our engagements and opportunities to bring awareness to a lot of these companies. Great. Well, welcome to the show. Looking forward to um, talking with you here. Let's uh, start with uh, discussing some of the trends in security like DevSecOps. Uh, what's the difference between some of these uh, different security layers at most organizations, such as DevSecOps? I've also heard terms such as SecOps or Security Operations Center. That is a great question, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is a great question. I, I, all right. So I believe that um, with SecOps and DevOps understood, uh, defining DevSecOps becomes a lot easier. So, for instance, in layman terms, DevSecOps is the integration of SecOps and DevOps, which to me, uh, you know, this means that the high velocity and collaborative and holistic philosophy that, that makes up DevOps popular is extended to include security. Now, in regards to a security operations center, um, just as I previously mentioned, understanding what a SOC is and the purpose behind that will help also determine how you can integrate these two together and some of the outcomes and the layers that come across with that. Now, if we look at security operations centers, um, 
we think of security operations centers as a group of professionals who are working together to either one, proactively identify and mitigate security risk against the enterprise, and two, defend against any security breaches. Now, typically in the past, for many of us who are familiar with security operations centers, we have envisioned them and known security operations centers as being this actual physical security with multiple cyber security or cyber protections. Um, you know, you would have staff that would monitor security stats and alerts. And today, what we're seeing is a growth of a, in quotes, I would say a virtual SOC, right? And the roles and responsibilities of these SOCs really have not changed. Um, I would say like some of the practices in between some of these SOCs would be, uh, you know, enforcing compliance, uh, penetration testing, um, architectural infrastructure planning would be some of these uh, activities as well, vulnerability testing, um, threat intelligence. And uh, today, one of the things that we are currently working on with some of our uh, customers um, is building out this threat intelligence landscape and incorporating threat modeling and a threat matrix as well. So, you know, there are a handful of responsibilities that come to mind, you know, when I, you know, when I think of that. And some of these activities, we are, you know, currently engaged on working with um, some of the top 50 companies, uh, Fortune 50 com companies that are relying on our practice, TGS uh, practice, on providing some form of security and architectural guidance. Now, you know, in today's culture, many decision makers understand that this is no longer uh, you know, a, a benefit in regards to having some form of a silo type of environment between a SOC and an operational environment. So that means security must be a joint effort and it's everyone's responsibility. I think it's crucial for organizations to embrace the idea of the modern uh, SOC, right? Uh, one that promotes collaboration, uh, communication between uh, the operations and the security teams. So we have seen many organizations, uh, you know, be, be very tool-centric, but uh, do not have a defined process that drives the, the actual technology. Um, and this leaves rooms for multiple gaps, vulnerabilities, audit failures, and an increase in technical debt. So I think the core of any security-layered approach is data. It's just how we protect it becomes, uh, becomes a challenge. Great, great. Well, yeah, there's... Um... Definitely a lot of a lot of terminology floating around as well. So it's that, that was helpful to kind of put put some of that in perspective. Um, you know, you mentioned and my my follow up here is um, you mentioned communication being uh, really important in helping those teams work together. What are what are some other ways or maybe even elaborate on, on the communication? What are some ways that organizations can create more synergies between those teams that you mentioned? Well, um, that's a great question. I think, you know, when I hear that word synergy, it, it, to me, it sounds like it sounds exciting, um, especially when it's associated with designing a product, uh, delivering a solution or providing some form of a new service offering. Um, I believe that synergy happens when team members are multipliers. Right. An example of that would more so be, you know, the you're seeing proof of the results um, by generating some of those outcomes. When a synergy is happening, there is an inherently higher level of efficiency in production, in, in, my, in 
just just my beliefs. And, and I think that um, when we see some of the, uh, you know, you'll start also seeing, you know, creativity and a lot of teams, you know, focusing on producing results overall. I can tell you from my career, I had an opportunity to witness synergy um, orchestrated between teams um, when I was blessed with an opportunity of working at Fort Bragg um, on uh, within their Joint Special Operations Command that is inclusive of the Special Operations and Navy SEALs. You know, I was, I was able to witness a collaboration and an objective between the teams that excelled, especially when lives were at stake. So to answer your question, for leaders who are wanting a, a result-oriented team, um, I, I feel like the, the team must operate in a synergy that, in my opinion, fall under three, three pillars. And, and some of those pillars would be, um, for leaders, I, I would think you'd have to set some form of a clear outcomes of where a project or a company as a whole is going into the future is the first step for any leader to establish. Um, the objectives need to be powerful, strong, and clear, and you want to make them declarative. Uh, the, my second point, I, I believe, is once you've established your objectives and they connect to the emotions of everyone involved, be sure to share them, right? We want to be transparent. Um, and that is, to me, a definition of transparency. And, and it is a necessary step to, uh, to creating a group synergy, regardless of the size of the company. Communication is, is so important that you know, it's, it serves as the cornerstone of, of a successful team. And I believe that when everyone can relate to the objective and see the value in others' contributions, um, it brings the team a little bit more into alignment. And then lastly, I believe, you know, uh, designing team synergy is consistency. Um, whatever your structure is and structuring of your objectives, structures can be very, um, can vary by sector and the stage of the company. So if you have a solid structure um, that is consistent, that's also, uh, you know, consisted of, you know, uh, measures and metrics and accountability and responsibility. Um, you know, I, I think that would be, I, th I think that would help in regards to um, driving a little bit, a little bit more of, of a synergy between everyone else. And then finally, I think it's just making it personal uh, for everyone, right? I mean, if, if you bring together and show the rewards of, of making security a personal aspect, and a cultural for everyone uh, who's moving forward with the activities. I think that would be uh, something that would drive the effort going forward. Great, great. So I know uh, you mentioned you work with a lot of large organizations and sophisticated ones um, at that. Uh, for those companies that either need to take security uh, more, um, you know, have a have a bigger priority on security or reach a security first mindset what are what are the steps that get them there what's uh you know what what are the the, the first steps a company should take to to shift to that that is another great question greg i mean these are great questions that you are presenting to me i think <laughs> um i i can tell you right now this is a question that i have battled with for years it, it has been challenging for me for years um and i have seen uh, you know, where a lot of organizations, um, it, it can be a cultural challenge, right? I would say to, uh, to adopt that security mind, uh, that security first mindset. Um, I would say that the first, for me, I would say instilling the, the concept that security belongs to everyone is very important. 
And what I mean is that, you know, you want to believe, you know, this, this security concept or security belongs to everyone. Um, you have an invested interest in this. And I have seen where many organizations have the mindset that security department is responsible for security, sustainable security culture um, that requires that everyone in an organization is all in. So everyone must feel like a security person. This is, this is that security culture for everyone. Um, and again, to my point that I made earlier, um, once you are invested, you also want to make sure that you know, without using scared tactics, uh, you want to make sure that security is also um, personal. And, you know, again, part of that is just, you know, I would say bringing some form of a security awareness. And, you know, we've seen security awareness trainings where at times can be very boring. Um, um, and, and uh, you know, and we don't want to do that, right? So in this case, we know that security awareness training is the process of teaching either through CBTs, um, something very quick that can drive the objectives and the policies uh, to a lot of organizations home to that employee. But without using, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, tactics of, of you know, scare tactics, um, security awareness, it has to be, um, go beyond just the, the poster in the office or in-person reviews. Uh, I think that with security offerings um, or security awareness, um, I think corporations need to be mindful of how they can incorporate ways of bringing some form of creativity into their awareness programs and efforts. Um, I've seen corporations that have hosted security programs where they've actually role-played um, different forms of uh, security awareness trainings where we would have um, roles that are being played by colleagues as one as an adversary and then also one as a potential victim. Um, and I've seen that, you know, it, it, I've seen the effects of that, whereas, you know, I, I think as people, we, we start to bring a sense of, of, of closeness and understanding once we are actually doing it. And then, uh, you know, I, I say rewarding, um, you know, re rewarding a lot of your, uh, your employees. I, I think even as cash rewards or even uh, gift rewards, they go a long way. Um, and, and, you know, it, it spreads. I mean, if employees are rewarded uh, by, by adhering to different types of security programs, I feel like uh, that will cascade as a behavior and also too as an incentive to other employees to help them to drive home the security effort and of course encourage them to do a bit better. Yeah. Great. Great. What is, um, let's switch gears to talk about the, the pandemic a bit. Uh, you know, what, what has these, these last several months as well as planning for the months ahead taught organizations about their security posture? Ah, so I think overall this year has been a challenging year, um, for, for many and for a lot of organizations. Um, I think the, the rise in uh, a lot of in, in a lot of these and threats, um, it has focused them to revisit their work from home security posture, um, and the challenges that are that are being faced from that. Uh, and, in, in, and I say that because 
workers and and we also have employees who are no longer in the comfort or I would say the uh, protective umbrella of a corporation, um, meaning, of course, you know, uh, protected by some of these security architects, some of the um, security tools and technologies that are within an organization, um, they are now exposed and they're exposed uh, by a remote presence. So that remote presence is inclusive of, you know, their spouse's um, laptop, um, some of their children's um, technology devices. It exposes and it cascades into their working platforms and eventually into, um, you know, the working environment as well. Today, I think, you know, this whole approach into, um, you know, working from home and looking at the remote aspects of your security program has now come to the forefront. And that forefront has forced corporations now to, I would say, uh, in, invest and take a little bit closer into how they are dealing with multi-factor authentications, um, focusing on their email usage and some of the content uh, deriving from phishing campaigns and how are they handling some of those different types of challenges on a day-to-day basis. And then also, you know, lastly, I think looking at the, um, the, the actual... Uh, decommissioning processes of accounts and taking a closer look at their centralized management, referring to Active Directory. Are there, um, you mentioned a few things in there, so, but um, are there, are there new tools, new innovations that um, security teams are are utilizing um, maybe in, in addition to what you've mentioned? In my opinion, there there will always be new tools and applications that will offer some feature that will improve security or provide some awareness for an organization needs. Um, There are so many great companies that are offering great security solutions uh, and determining which service offerings work for you is important. Now, however, I believe in my opinion, I think that um, what we've what we've seen today is where a lot of companies have struggled because they are tool centric and that tool centric mentality, uh, as I mentioned earlier, can also lead to a lot of gaps, um, and audit failures. So I would say this, um, you know, in regards to toolings, there are a lot of great tools that are on the market. You would have to decide what are some of the service offerings deriving from those tools and focus on the process itself initially to help drive the technology forward, to improve your organization's security posture. Yeah, great. Um, as far as outcomes for security investments, uh, how does how do you explain this to, to companies that are looking to invest in security? And how does improved security operations impact business outcomes? That's another great question. I, I think um, I'll do my best to answer this question. Um, previously, we've seen where um, security operations uh, was basically a, a technical approach where only technical people would be involved in um, handling some of those uh, the impacts to security from a technical standpoint. Um, I would encourage companies, and as I look at this, you know, to be inclusive once again of executives and leaderships who have a very strong um, uh, place within an organization to help drive those decisions. 
So what I'm saying is that the security operations approach should be inclusive of leadership and executives. And again, moving away from the mindset of the year's perception that security is a technical problem and best handled by technical people, um, as I mentioned earlier, resulted in a lack of engagement. So ultimately, it leads to some form of a poor decision and a bad security investment. Some of the activities that we performed for our um, clients were, were security rationalizations assessment. And we've seen where companies have spent multiple, um, you know, have, spent, have invested a multi-million dollar approach to tools that are constantly, that are just sitting on the shelf. Um, so uh, we, we really encourage, you know, um, the, uh, the, the inclusiveness between both the, the operations and the business leaders to help drive a better, more streamlined um, solution for the business impact overall. Great. Well, uh, one last question before we wrap up here. Uh, thinking ahead, uh, what should organizations be thinking about for 2021 as it relates to their security posture? I think that, uh, as I mentioned, I think you have some great questions here, Greg. I think that um, prior to that, um, I feel like companies, you know, should really revisit their remote work from home security program, as well as their on-site and cloud solutions. Um, in regards to the adaptation of this work from home, it was inclusive of quite a few things that I mentioned, which would be, of course, revisiting some of their on-site security posture, cloud security posture, and also some of their activities of their process of how things are being done. I have constantly heard throughout this pandemic the remarks of, I cannot wait for things to return back to normal. Right, right. right. <laughs> so, but personally, I have a question of when I hear that, well, what does normal look like? And, and how do we return back to a place that may not have provided the best security measure to begin with? So this yeah. is a time where I, I feel like innovation and creative ways of developing new security is birthed. And I try to look, I try to look uh, and view the opportunities for growth in challenging times and encourage organizations to do the same as well. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, Gerard, thanks so much for joining the show. For those listening, uh, what is the best way to keep up with what you and tech systems are doing in the security space? Um, I would say if you want to ever want, uh, just please visit the um, uh, Tech Systems Global Services uh, site. We are also uh, constantly um, posting different types of uh, security blogs, um, podcasts uh, that we're presenting as well, and, and different types of service offerings as well. For us, we are consistently um, making sure that we stay abreast of the, the new technology and the curves that are being offered. Um, and I would say just, just please uh, take some time to, to view some of the, uh, the tech systems, TGS platforms um, that we do offer, and also some of the uh, different types of blog posts as well. We try our best to keep that as up to date and as much as possible. Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank Gerard Lendor from Tech Systems for joining the show. Learn more about Tech Systems and their perspective on security at techsystems.com slash version next now. I'm Greg Kilstrom. Thanks for listening to the Agile World. Thanks again for listening to the Agile World podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. You can learn more and get a copy of my latest book, The Center of Experience, from my website at theagile.world 
or on Amazon or other retailers. Until next week, stay agile. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Hey Houston, Khan's prices are invincible. That means prices have been cut low, as in amazingly low, as in won't be beat. In fact, we're backing it up with our low price guarantee. Invincible prices on appliances, furniture, electronics, mattresses, and more. Not invincible enough for you? How about free next day delivery on appliances, TVs, and mattresses? And payment options for everyone, whether you have good credit or building. Visit Khan's today and find out what invincible feels like.